Come on guys. You fucking kidding me. Oh yeah. This was supposed to be your good season. Oh yeah. I just have to take it. Like a kick in the titties. Oh yeah. It's time for Robert Hewitt Wolf not deserving a paycheck this fucking week. Hello and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we will be going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Um, it was the best show again for a second there. It was, third season's been pretty good, and then now it's yep, yep. Now we're <laughs> hmm, um, we're back to something else. <laughs> um, um, with me as always is James Nolan. Hey guys, and Hugh Crawford. Hello, gentlemen. And my name is Wade Bowen. Yes, we're talking about an episode called Fascination. Uh, did you find it fascinating, gentlemen? Because okay, well, here, yeah, this is uh, this episode is named Fascination. It originally aired November twenty eighth, nineteen ninety four. It is the tenth episode of season three. The IMDb description is as follows: Laxwana Troy visits the station for a Bajoran festival. Their crew is stricken with intense romantic attractions to each other. And, um, yeah, I mean, right off the top, I got to say, you know, this episode made me think maybe I don't like Star Trek. Maybe <laughs> I, uh, I had to, I really had to look at myself and, okay, and I figured out a few things about myself and Star Trek right off the bat. I just kind of want to get it off my chest and then we can get into the breakdown of the show. What I like most about Star Trek as a thing is how it's basically a workplace show and the relationships on the workplace show, like the work comes first. And so in the case of the first series, the work is adventure, right? Mm -hmm. And so these coworkers through adventure form these bonds and these bonds over time become strong and I grew up with the movies first, right? Because as growing up in the 80s, yeah, me too. You, you watch the movies in real time as a kid and growing up in the 80s, and then you get acquainted with the old series. But what you got a sense of watching the movies is that these were old people who were like fond of each other <laughs> because they because of what they because of their relationships over time. Okay. It was like right, right. And yeah. so ultimately what I like about it is the relationships. Sure. And, and then the adventure and some of the ideas that manifest itself later in the next generation is sort of secondary. So this was like too much relationship stuff. <laughs> and and not, <laughs> not, not exactly earned or well done. Right. Like the, you know, 20 years of history they'd had or however long. Yeah. In the movies. And I, yeah, that was my first introduction to. Right. This was none of the relationship stuff I like. The, the relationship stuff has to be forged in the fire of, of trials. Plot. Right. Plot. Of plot. Yeah. yeah, of plot. Essentially plot. This is, again, we talk about Deep Space Nine being a show of obligations. In the third season, it had promised to break through that, uh, its obligations. And here we are. We're back with an old-fashioned Trek episode, which is basically some wacky shit happens to the crew, and they're falling under some sort of wacky. Some bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Some, but essentially, I mean, this happened. The same thing happened on the original series and it happened on next generation yeah, yeah. and i guess and they, been, they got it's midsummer's night's dream yeah oh god yes yeah it's, i mean it's, it's a, so it's a traditional plot yeah so it's and and, and, and might i point out going into this one i was like oh shit like this is an episode that mm -hmm. actually even robert who wolf wishes that they hadn't done we tweet he was answering questions on twitter i tweeted at him and he was like oh he mentioned episodes he regretted that he'd wished got left out and this was one of them. Well, and see, kids, when you wish that you had your favorite show have more than eight episodes, this is the kind of stuff that happens. <laughs> like for everybody, yes. everybody who who watched Stranger Things and was like, oh, God, I wish there was more. No, like episode 10 of Stranger Things, they all like fall in love with each other. Or some <laughs> dumb shit. Just be thankful that the modern golden age of television doesn't have this extra fat on itself. They're not doing this episode on Atlanta. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. uh, Though yeah. I will say the, this episode was awful, but there, there was, was there some things or one thing I liked about it? There were 
there was one thing I liked about this episode. <laughs> Which is what? And I don't... Which is what? That the, I th- well, a lot of people comment on the Cassavetes movie nature of the O'Brien's turmoil. I, I like the O'Brien's argument because... Nope. Too real. That's enough for me. <laughs> yeah, there, it felt... That's a- at least for an episode that felt like total unreal, stupid bullshit, there was one thing in this episode that felt realistic and was like... Oh yeah, I've had these arguments with people I've been involved with before, and it's like, mm-hmm. and okay, that that was yeah. There was no magic or science fiction bullshit involved. It was just it was artlessly real. Yeah, it was. Yeah, um, it wasn't great, it was, but it was like the best thing about the episode. Who's afraid of Virginia Wolf type shit in the middle of your Star yeah, Trek? Yeah, it was like a. And I love that. I love that kind of like intent. If the whole episode was just O'Brien and Keiko have a, like a long, complicated fight. I'm okay with that. Give me that episode. I would watch it. But this was, it was like, uh, it was reduced down. It was like the, the extract. It was like a marital problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it kind of was. Like that they put into the <laughs> soup. And it, was, it was like too much. Like you got to thin that out. Yeah. Like, it went from like your typical domestic argument to I'm leaving you real fast, which I was okay. Yes, it did. And I got all of the beats. My favorite line is, Walk away with your plants and your sabar. <laughs> yeah. Go back to Bajon, your plants and sabar. See if I can. Okay, let's let's talk about let's let's. Okay, this is what happened. Like, Swire Troy comes on. Oh, yeah. Everybody acts goofy. Mm-hmm. I don't think we need to go by plot by plot point too much. No. Okay. But, yeah. So, it's the Bajoran Gratitude Festival. Right. Just went before in the cold open. Can we just point out that Cisco and Jake? We're not on set together. <laughs> Did you notice that? Because <laughs> it's, oh, it's right. a shot of oh, yeah. Cisco and then Jake and then Cisco's hand on, which, isn't, yes. which is not Avery Brooks' hand, I'm pretty sure, on Jake. Like, child labor laws, they couldn't get him in when they were shooting everybody else or something. That's what it is, yeah. It's awkward. Oh, and also this episode yeah. is directed by Avery Brooks, who probably thought he was directing Midsummer's Night Dream because... He's a grinning idiot this whole time. Okay, before we get into the Keiko thing, I will say that there is legitimately like four great camera shots in this episode. One of which is a long sweeping dolly shot. At the end? That goes through Clark's bar. No, like it's a transition between when the camera passed Clark selling the gold quill pin. Oh, yeah. And you yeah. saw like a fire eater and a juggler. And then it went up to the second location to get on Keiko. I mean, like... So there's like remember remembering that television. There's some good camera work in this, and there's some pretty not good camera work in this. I didn't notice bad camera work. I've noticed bad acting. Yeah, well, I noticed that too. I noticed everybody's just bad. Just just the whole everybody's thing. a bad actor bad. in this, except for O'Brien. Uh, Rosalind Chow does it fine. I thought uh, whatever. Yeah, I, I no, she projects. I think she does it very good. Like I, I was picking up everything she was putting down. Yeah, and I thought I thought Odo was good. Yeah, yeah, Odo was fine. But the rest of them, Locks out. You know, Major Barrett seems a little tired. This like yeah, like she yeah. But what's the guy's name? Sabar. <laughs> Sabar. Yeah. Sabar was the guy that. W- We've never seen. Yeah. yeah, her friend in Sabar. The, yeah, the specter of Sabar was hanging all over this episode, though, guys. Like, oh, no, Sabar yeah, yeah. is Sabar yeah, the zoologist. No, Sabar is totally trying to get, or as Molly calls him, Uncle Sabar. <laughs> um, try, <laughs> totally, to, totally trying to get in with Keiko. Don't you think? <laughs> Quick opinions, uh, real, real quick. I don't know. I think that. Oh sure, if there were more episodes with he was mentioned or showed up, which I don't know if there are. I'm gonna guess no. He'd be like the guy trying to sleep with his wife. Yeah. You fuck my wife. Yeah, I thought that would have been a great last line. Is when they all get back together at the end, and they're all like, "Miles, you're the only one for me." And he, and then she's going off to get back on the ship. He goes, "Now let's talk about the Sabar guy real quick." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just to bring it back, but yeah, no, yeah, Sabar's trying to fuck Keiko. He definitely is, right? He's a friend. Yeah, I think definitely. Okay, Wade. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, What's sure. the memory alpha on Sabar? I think <laughs> I wonder. Does he have his own novel? He surely he has his own Star Trek novel, right? <laughs> no, there's he's like a grifter. He's like saw your own law. There's a seven. There's a seven book Deep Space Nine book series on just that expedition on Bajor. That, <laughs> right. Yeah. That follows. That follows Keiko. So many different ecosystems. Yeah. Right. If you type in Sabar on Google, the first hit is from Memory Alpha. <laughs> If they have an entry on cash registers, they have an entry on Sabar. Yes, uh, I'm going to read the full entry. In, uh, he participated in an agrobiological expedition in the Jun and Zia Mountains 
Here he became friends with Keiko O'Brien and discussed with her, among other things, her marriage with Miles O'Brien, something which both embarrassed Miles and made him jealous. That's it. Thank God. Saybar's <laughs> over. There's no greater Saybar universe. <laughs> but you can make one. I'm sure. Yeah, no, I, I know I'm going to be emailing my pitch to Paramount tomorrow about the yeah. seven book series, Saybar's <laughs> seven book series. So I think that, okay, first off, let's go, let's take apart this Bajord Festival a little bit. Uh, they got open flames on a space station <laughs> yeah. where people could just drop anything in. Doesn't that With pressurized oxygen. Uh, doesn't that seem like a bad idea? Pildar, Pildar yeah. Joy, assholes. Pildar Joy. It does, and they mix like uh, childhood chemistry set chemicals in a bong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and like, that seems like that too. Because Kira's the uh, adjudicator of the festival. She's all, Tezra, Peldor, Impatre, Bren. Poor. Take the most detailed <laughs> And then she's Vettel, Veta, Oolong, Stet, Oolong tea. Why did it, like somebody, tea. this was the 90s, Oolong was very exotic. <laughs> it's not something that America heard of. And what, you know what, her her relaxed Kira Nuri's hair uh, makes me deeply uncomfortable. <laughs> like, uh, like, I think that you should just have one haircut and stick with it. I don't think you should have like work haircut and then like relaxed haircut. Oh, everybody's in their non-work clothes in this episode. Right. But O'Brien doesn't straighten his hair for it. I mean, it's, <laughs> right. he, he still looks like it's a little unnerving. Yeah. It's weird is what it is. Yeah. It is weird. There's a couple of times where it's weird where I don't okay, yeah, this is this episode is fucked, man. Like this episode it's really bad. was like I, I don't even know how to get my hands on it. Okay. This is this, this what, was it, like an it was an assault of shit that was weird. And it was not it was weird because like in every facet of the show, someone should have stopped this episode from happening. I think this is the worst one of the series so far. Oh, I think so. Uh, oh, oh, are, really? uh, I'm 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 gonna disagree with you guys. I think it's worse than Babel and I think it's worse than Moving Along Home. I disagree. I think Babel, I, I, Moving Along Home had Moving Along Home had created It was still fun to look at. Yeah. I don't know. This one was just dumb. Everybody gives stilted performances until except for the people we talked about avery brooks has this stupid stupid smiling idiot grin this whole episode yeah he's uh, awful wait i wait a minute i just started this thought <laughs> trying to defend it it's just <laughs> a, there's no it's but the keiko thing i luxwana i i like i don't think this is a good luxwana episode but even this bad luxwana episode i like more than tng luxwana episodes for some reason, though, she's a grinning idiot in a lot of this, too. But like at the end, uh-huh. she has a pretty good line. And when she's telling Odo, we can jump around because who gives a fuck? She's telling Odo, well, I understand what it's like to care for somebody who doesn't care for you. And I'll be here if you ever, you know, get tired of waiting for Kira. I don't know. That was a true moment of acting like from her that I appreciated. And I actually like the uh, O'Brien Keiko stuff. But this episode is pretty bad. Okay. First off, the the one thing that you like, the first thing that you said that you like the locks on the scene, to me it was the most infuriating because it locks down the it makes the Odo Kira subtext text oh, that, in a bad episode. That shit was text. Hey, absolutely. The, that shit got locked down at the beginning of the episode it, when it, no, Odo starts asking no, her what she's well, doing and he's like, Oh, I thought you'd be alone. But that's still subtext. That's still subtext. He never says I'm <laughs> It's not very part. subtle though. It's still No, um, but I mean still they like, they put it in words in this episode so you can't cut it. Like you can't like pretend that this episode doesn't exist. Sure sure you can. They pretend that Kira never told Thomas Riker, we'll come back for you, I promise. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> like, true. <laughs> that, well, she could just, that, that could be fixed with, boy, I was lying to his ass. <laughs> right. now, but, uh, now, everything about this episode was so fucking just, like, lost. Hit me. Okay, so he breaks, so Jake breaks up with What's-Her-Face. They break them up, which basically Marta. gives their, the, Marta, which gives their storyline zero importance. Yeah. Well, it was it was dumb from the beginning. Yes, it was dumb from the beginning, but you bought into it. You've made an episode about it. Yeah. Yeah. So you got me attached to that actress. <laughs> but uh, so so they just drop it. And that's OK. So that's fine. Now you're going to bring back Robot Burrell, who is absolutely the worst. Oh, my God. He's horrible. He is the worst <laughs> he's, in this. He's really bad. And he's playing the whole episode. I swear, it's like he's Francis Dollarhide from Red Dragon. <laughs> like, I, I was like, are you a serial killer? Like, are you, are you, are you, like, did your mommy hurt you? Do you need, like, help? Like, the whole time. And he's creepy. 
and not creepy and like he's trying to fuck the wrong person or something. You're mad. Oh, actually, he, he was because just, he was like he had his hands on Dax at one point. Yes, and I did. felt like physically uncomfortable. There was one time where he's clearly crossing a line, driving his boner into. Yes, like <laughs> I didn't catch that. Uh-huh. He's up behind her and he's like clearly grinding on her. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I'm like, oh, uh, uh. <laughs> it's so gross. But then, like on the next scene, then Dax is doing the same ridiculous thing to, Just... to Avery Brooks. Yeah. So it's uh, like everything about this episode, and it's not because okay, I I'm a dirty man. I would love an episode where you know every- who you know who I think does the best acting. Who. <laughs> <laughs> Terry Farrell does the best acting in this whole episode. <laughs> no, she doesn't. No, it's Odo. She's, probably it's does. probably Odo. Honestly. The, wound, well, the, wo- the wounded get... face he has, whenever yeah, in that whole scene, that actually moved the ball down oh, down the field a little bit at the beginning with him and Kira. The yeah. and then at the end, whenever Troy acknowledges, she picks up on the fact that you know he's into her. Yeah. They also put a little bit of a little. I mean, just the tiniest, tiniest bit. Of acknowledging that other events have happened this season, when Troy says, "I heard about, yeah. uh, hey, I found you heard your species is a part of the Dominion, or had to, yeah, that, that's got to be a heartbreaker, you know." Yeah, <laughs> just and when yes. Odo catches Kira and and Bashir making out, and he's like, "Stop!" and they're like, "No," and he's like, "No, you won't stop!" and like, there's some real fire behind that, and that's kudos to Renéo Bergeron when he's no. Doctor. It's he's hurt, but also really pretty fierce and you know, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. So at one point they get the vir- whatever Kira and Bashir are making out, and for people that end up having a baby together <laughs> in real life, that is the most awkward, awful kiss. No kiss. <laughs> like, with- yeah. The only thing I almost I, there was something I almost laughed at there where at the end when they get everything solved. And they're like, everything's going to be fine, like, by tomorrow work time, you know, but you got to get through the night. And Bashir goes, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go. <laughs> he basically says, I'm fixing a fuck Kira. Yeah, well, yeah. this is still working. Yeah. And they're like, no, that would be bad. And then he goes, I guess you're right. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know. Like, that was the one thing that made me chuckle is that he would try to, like, you know, now that we fixed the problem, yeah. let me get to well, see he, it He's still under the influence. To, he's like, all right. Well, before we have to be good again, let's, uh, yeah, yeah. let's, let's get this, let's get this thing care of. I, I don't know. I, this is, uh, this episode was fucking mind-boggling to me. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Oh, and speaking of bad at acting, Avery Brooks, though I will say, talking about Avery Brooks as the closest captain or lead that we have to Shatner, he goes full Shatner hands at one point where he's talking to Jake, where he's like, we, yeah, he what does. you're feeling now is just a crush where he, he almost grabs at nothing and it's, <laughs> it's like a full Shatner acting bit. <sighs> Jake! What you're feeling now is just a crush. I'll defend Shatner's acting some of those stuff. Actually, it's just overly theatrical. And I guess that's what Avery Brooks' problem here is too. But it's not good in this instance. No, it's not good. <laughs> I did like how there was this, I don't know. I, 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 there's not much I like about this episode. There's there's hardly anything. And I, I can't even really, the reason it was made is because the next episode is past tense. Mm-hmm. And so they thought that they needed one more lighthearted adventure. They're still thinking in that that mindset. It was pitched by Robert Hewitt Wolf and Iris Stephen Bear. Oh man. Yeah. That's why he put it on his regret list, I guess. Yeah, so they're back to that. So this is like old TV thinking, old TV thinking problems here. We need a light one. And that was back when they still thought that. Right, right. And and that's fine. I get what they're saying, but this was, I don't know, like, why did they, everybody, why did they think people would enjoy watching all of these weird people cross all of these, like, personal boundaries with each other? I don't know. Maybe it's going back to um, even the first season in that episode that you hated so much, where they're all playing these different roles. Dramatis Persona. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where Iris Stephen Bear, yeah. I received Bear loved the episode because he got to play around with the dynamics and have people do things, act different ways, which was way too soon for our first season because we didn't give a shit about any of these characters because the episodes were not, all of them were not very high standard of good. Yeah, yeah, I know. I don't get the desire. This is that As, same kind of thing, though. Like, oh, we play around, see what's going on. These characters acting new ways. Yeah, I mean, 
I guess like that's treating it like it's an improv, like like shows that we have investments in, like an improv sketch. Yeah, but it'd be cool. We everybody freeze and everybody swap traits and then <laughs> right. start again. You're good. You're good. Like, t- yeah, you know, like and, and scene. Like, and I want to see that. Like, uh, uh, there was a, some attempts at shitty world building. I mean, the whole Bajoran festival thing. Yeah, that's true. something. Right. And, you know, if they've mentioned if, Gratitude Festival before, can we just point out though that that festival was fucking boring yeah. yeah it was dumb like it was it was it was bored jugglers is what it was oh it's all this dumb circus performers yeah that was well, and this, weird decorations i mean i know they're supposed to be weird but then i even i don't supposed, know it's supposed to be space and they made it sound like it was mardi gras right yeah that was the i guess that's the equivalent you've got to oh you haven't done this you haven't done this they made it sound like mardi gras mardi gras is a is a festival of religious people who get together and do the most debauched shit in streets as a part of a religious rite. And we do that in, like, cities throughout, you know, the Catholic world in a, on, on Earth. Yeah. It seems like that was supposed to be either equivalent to that or, like, reminiscent of that, you know? But, like, it doesn't touch on it. Everything just looks boring. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it was, like, come to the office part. It looked like an office it part. It made me think of fucking Happiness Day from the... Uh... Star Wars holiday special. Uh, <laughs> no, that wasn't called. It was Life Day. Life We're gonna day. have lumpy and stupid or whatever the Chewbacca's family was called. Yeah, but even then had some some titillation to it. But like nobody was like, okay, if you, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, like, be Arthur singing a song. <laughs> yeah, she does sing a song, but no, they had a or, or co- coked out of the right recipes. Had a sexy lady. They had sexy lady. Uh, well, uh, you guys want to talk about the uh, about the ending real quick, and then we can sure move along sure. to uh, the the rating. We, then we can talk about the yeah, ratings, well, then, uh, and have, then do our voicemails. I had a couple. Or do you have of, more notes? I had a couple. Well, uh, Quark puts on a Bajoran earring, which is interesting because he's like being the salesman. He's selling it's racist. bullshit. You, that's things. like Bajoran face. You can't just do that. You can sure. Why not? You can't just do that. <laughs> Cultural completely, complete work. cultural appropriation. It's not cool at all. <laughs> not your earring. Hashtag not your earring. Well, he's he's all about appropriating. He's selling pins with a drawing of Deep Space Nine by Vedic Radab before his yeah. death. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, they're blessed by Vedic Radab with a portrait by Ermat Zim. And then he gives one to uh, O'Brien because there's a whole other thing I kind of liked, which is uh, maybe problematic. I don't know. Like, their quirks giving his bar advice to O'Brien, which is all just like overt misogyny. <laughs> like, oh, I, oh, Complete, I see. Complete, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not good advice. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like, I'm not going to say he's right. Yeah, but, I'm going to say it's clever from a writing standpoint because it's the worst advice to give a man at that moment. Mm-hmm. And so it's clever writing because it raises the stakes on where O'Brien could take it to. But like, God, you know, like what? A, you know, sure. You know, whatever. Like, right. Well, yeah. By being told the worst thing he could do, he realizes what how stupid he is. Yes. And that he could. Yeah. And then he goes and, and, you know, has the I'm sorry. It makes a ridiculous over the like, I, I don't know. I've been married longer than they have and I have more kids than they have. <laughs> so I'm <laughs> I'm going to give a bride a little bit of advice here. Fucking give it a day. <laughs> right. Like, I get it. I get it. You you missed her both emotionally and physically. I'm going to talk, because the only thing I have to say of substance on this is going to be on the subject of their marriage, so I'm just going to go into it. You're going to put your cigar hat on for a second? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to be cigar to to Keiko here. (laughs) Keiko has got a problem in that O'Brien was was acting like a typical man, and she was having real-world problems. So, yes, kudos for the show for addressing that in some way, and then I'll take take it back in a minute. (laughs) But... So I get that O'Brien, you know, he wanted to have sex with his wife and he wanted to be with his wife and have her enjoy being with him. So I get all of that. And that's what he wanted. And they do it. Oh, oh, he's a talented actor. He conveyed all that. And then they bring her on as a counterbalance to that. They gave her on paper real problems. She's tired. Loxana Troy made her fucking daughter sick. She had to listen to this bitch one off her the whole trip. <laughs> gave her too much candy. Yeah, Keiko is like... Uh, I've had the worst trip, and then Luxana comes out. It's like this fucking lady. Yeah, yeah, she gives us this fucking babe. But all, all it does, the show gives Rosalind Chow no fucking room to be like a normal person. She automatically comes off as like super bitch. 
he comes off the plane. He's all excited. You know it because he's had that little scene with Bashir beforehand talking about how excited he is to see his wife. And it's not dirty. It's it's innocent. Yeah. Right. They're not playing darts yet. They're still playing racquetball. Yeah. And so he has that little scene. And he and, and she comes out and she's got this horribly ice clean bitchy face on. And then like later on when they're back in the apartment, she just wants to sleep. She's She's basically like, I've got a headache. She doesn't want to put on her sexy ass dress. So you get, and all of these things come from a place that is real, that could have been stated as like a real problem that a real person faces in a real life. But it's just this gestalt of giving her all of these negative things because they're writing it from O'Brien's perspective. Because this is, they're writing it how O'Brien hears it. But it's still how they presented Keiko and it's how they've done through the whole show that she's on is that she's just a malcontent. Yeah. And this is the kind of character that you would write if you were trying to get the audience behind O'Brien sleeping with another character on the show. <laughs> they are. That character's called Julian Bashir. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That is. <laughs> but like, if you were as a writer and you were like, okay, uh, I want to write, I want O'Brien fucking Dax for the next season. How do I, but he's married to her. How do we make this? That's like how soap operas work. Well, let's start shifting the, the negative elements of this marriage. Because they don't know where they're going. And then eventually she runs out because he's jealous of Savar. And she doesn't have any sort of give. She's not engaged. She doesn't ask him any questions about his life, anything like that. Well, she runs out because he's like, no, you should come back. And she's like, um, I've got a job, yeah. you fucking asshole. Yes, but she immediately goes to a high level. Like, they don't, they don't write her as someone who's also willing to, like, that values the relationship and values, she's like... She's got no autonomy. Yeah, well, I mean... She's, got, yeah, like, like, she's just... She just immediately gets bitchy about it. She They don't write her as someone who's, no, like... Who realizes, hey, like, I know you're gonna... Th I know Biles is gonna throw a little bitch tizzy here because I've been married to him for years. And after he gets rid of this little bitch, Tizzy, then we'll start working But the it thing out. is, yeah. is that they, this is just, they've got a... I, I blame him as much. He escalates it just as much as, like, she walks out fast, too. No, I agree. I'm blaming the writers here. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is all about how it's structured. Yeah. Yeah, the writers have done a great, great disservice to Keiko as a character yeah. throughout this entire mm -hmm. Deep Space Nine series. Yes. The best thing they ever did for Keiko was to give her a fulfilling career on Bajor. That's the best thing they've ever done for her. <laughs> yeah. And now they turn that into her being an ice queen shitty because she doesn't... Right, yeah. right. And then they undid it in this episode. So so then the worst thing that they can do, the worst directorial choice, and I don't know who made this choice, is that you have this episode about everybody wanting to fuck everybody weird. And then he goes back to his office after... Or he goes back to his apartment and he's talking to her behind a closed door. And she, she closed the door and he basically says, you are totally right. And I am supplementing completely to your whims and I'm willing to leave my career behind. It's the greatest thing that he's ever did on the show for her. Yeah. And you don't see her face. Yeah, that's a problem. And you see her say something like they don't show her and it's behind the door. She's just like, I need to think. I need time to think. And in me, in the nature of the episode, I'm like, she's fucking a dude. Uh, yeah. 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 Like, she's got a dude in there because she felt like space, she got space magic love, and she's got a dude in there. Right. Yeah, I thought that too the first time. Like, that's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking. Because it's what the, what else is like behind, when you're talking to a woman behind a closed door, what else am I supposed to be thinking, you know? I was thinking that they had a problem on the call sheet and they couldn't get them in the same time. <laughs> that's probably, that's probably <laughs> what happened. Because I already started, had that in my brain from the cold open where Cisco and Jake are having a father-son heart-to-heart and they're clearly not acting together. Because it's just this, What if that also happens? This is a weird episode for that. I mean, that kind of stuff is happening. Like you guys mentioned it at the beginning. This is a weird episode because it's like, it is a bottle episode, essentially. I mean, this costs probably nothing. You get some party streamers and you put an extra earring on Quark and it like that's that, yeah, that's yeah. It costs the nothing. The stakes are nothing. <laughs> Nobody's actually in peril. They're just horny. Yeah, yeah. They're just horny. Only one couple is married, and only two couples are attached. So no matter what happens, only two people can fuck other people and it have lasting effects outside of next week's episode. Out of this episode. Right, right. Like, if Dax fucked Cisco, and then they go, oh, we were all under, like, space narcotics, like, we were all under Loxana magic, like, oh, well, let's just forget about that. And then you yeah. can say, okay, unless she gets pregnant with little Cisco baby. Like, except, oh, except at the end, Bashir throws, like, oh, well, 
Yeah, it doesn't mean anything except, oh, it only works if there's some subconscious attraction going on, which is like, why? But it's best not to think okay, about what, it. Let's talk about what, what's at work here. Turns out Loxwana Troy has a betazoid menopause, and <laughs> yeah. she it's viral. Like, yeah. I mean, menopause is... Zan, she, it's viral for her, but it doesn't show up in Dax's medical reports. It's just nonsense. But anyway, she's... Because it's xanthi fever. Yeah, it's total nonsense, because Quark should be immune to... We've already established Ferengi are not susceptible to betazoid mind reading why should they be susceptible oh you're right ferengi one oh, part right. of ferengi's superpower is that they're not susceptible to psychic shit except in this episode quark gets hung up on keiko at the very end because bad writing yeah because they had to give him something to do right that's a good point that is a good point i was going to say the reason they don't find out on that that it doesn't show up on dax's medical scan is because it's a psychic virus it just changed her opinion right so. well it's a virus for it's viral menopause for her. her and I just figured she's projecting, but, but the effects psychic the- stuff, so they're not fake picking up. You know, psychic viruses don't show up as viral loads in your cells. Yeah, right? there's not an actual virus making them horny. It's just like some sort of like X Man, right. like Spanish fly, psionics, like, yeah. like Xavier's Spanish fly. Now, yeah. this is another example of how Bashir's just merely an adequate doctor because he because he's. <laughs> Because his his cure or whatever is pretty run of the mill, and he's just like, yeah, yeah, my my cure for the virus works, and everybody's just like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, it works. It's like I'll give him credit at the end when he's still like super horny for Kira. He's like, I can't stop myself. I realize this is a medical issue. Please pull us away. At least he's like, I'm a doctor. I'm not total. I'm totally horny for her, but I know it's a condition yeah and then he undoes all that by insisting to cisco after the cure's been found that he's gonna go fuck her so yeah but that was kind of great (laughs) okay and so they're the only they're a real couple okay at this point not a visitor and alexander sadig or sadig alfadil are a real couple so they're the only ones that they're comfortable are they really at this point in the show because they are they have like she gets pregnant next season okay i was wondering because that kiss their makeouts it's like yeah that was what i was about to say is that so? They're the only ones that can comfortably kiss all they want. Like I guess that didn't, that didn't look comfortable. <laughs> the hands look comfortable, but the mouth did it not. Did not look. <laughs> and I was wondering if there is there some sort of like limit to how much mouth kissing could be on a television show in nineteen ninety four. Right, like it can only be on the lips. Don't there? There's no. You have to like pucker your lips. Mm-hmm. So there's no teeth touching or, you know, like, you. I don't know. It's it was weird. All of it. There was more hip grinding on this episode than there were like full on lip. Kissing. Yeah. It's like they were puckering their lips around their teeth. So they when they made out so there wouldn't be any real actual saliva was, passing or anything. It was weird. But, you know, maybe they were just a weird couple. Yeah, maybe, maybe everybody uh, was around. I vote for like, weird. I, I vote for that. If we're voting on what was going on, I vote for weird couple. They were drunk and they were making out. It was weird because it was just like they have never made out with a human before. It was <laughs> right. weird. I, I never want to go to the party with those those assholes. Right. Yeah. So, uh, And it's not a thing I would fix because there's not much fixing for this episode. But after we know that, that it is necessitated that there be some subconscious attraction, but it's best not to think about it, just the social justice warrior would be... <laughs> <laughs> call up if you think it, this is me being uh whatever an sjw i would have loved if if they pointed out whether it were jadzia or the symbiont that were attracted subconsciously to <laughs> cisco like if if it had been like but curzon wanted to fuck if it had been like oh yeah curzon was always secretly a little bit gay for you well, but you know years. subconsciously <laughs> i would have that would be great <laughs> I was Curzon's hall pass. What? <laughs> right. Um, he would have never acted on it, but uh, you know. <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, because gay people do exist in the 24th century. I did. Yeah, there was a long period of this episode where it was like Benjamin Cisco wet blanket. That was what it was. It was just like, what are all these people trying to like fuck everybody and let me stop them? And I didn't get it. And then it ended with Dax sort of climbing all up on him. And the look on his face was like the strangest thing that's ever turned me on. Like, it was, <laughs> it was, it was a weird thing. It was, it was weird. Like, he was, like, you could tell that, like, the act that Avery Brooks was making a choice to make Benjamin, to signal that Benjamin Sisko, for a second, was thinking about it. <laughs> before he decided no. But he gets this look on his face, because he grins at everything at this, still at the stage where he grins at everything on the show. But he grins at that especially. When she starts rubbing his chest when he's laying down. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's wearing that was the wardrobe question. Like, one, well, 
Jake finally gets to not wear a onesie. Good job, costumers. <laughs> and then um, it's growing up. Yeah, yeah. It's getting weird. It's getting weird. You know, Benjamin Sisko has his his casual vest with the gun show. Yes, he does. Like mock turtleneck underneath it, <laughs> which is like all right. And but then when he gets into a fight with Barile, that was kind of fun. Oh, that was yeah. Fun. That was a redeeming episode because we all wanted to see. Burhile gets smacked. Yeah, and it's just like Cisco's like, "What the fuck are you doing, man?" He's just like nonchalantly block, block, block. You fucking wimp! Take, I'm, I can take but you. He takes I'm, the face, but he takes the face punch, the first one, and he just takes. Yeah, it, he's like, it's like kind of like badass. Yeah, and then he's like wailing. He's just raising an arm, raising an arm, and then Kira gets to be like, you know, powerful and really deck him with a one of those Klingon two handed punches or whatever, and knock him down, mm-hmm. or face punches, driving his nose up into his brain, kind of things, and he flies back. It's like okay, that's nice. Where Cisco is just like, like, yeah, I could kick your ass, but I'm a, I'm, I don't want to do that. So just block, 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 and then she comes in for the kill. That was fun. But why did the episode not? It seemed like it was very. They were leading with their chin that the way to heighten the stakes to relevance <laughs> is to make Keiko under the spell. I don't know, man. I don't know. I like that. They're... No one wants to see that. No one wants Nobody to wants see to that. See but it, that but... was. But no one wants to see this episode, period, buddy. But that would have been like the only way to like raise the stakes. Right. Uh, make this episode make yeah. for this. But, just, this one's that, too broken to fix. I think that I think that I would have hated it even worse. Because it, yes, yeah. no, I agree with you. But I it, just from a story like from a story standpoint, that is the only way to. Like, oh no! I think no. No, 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 no. At the end of the second act, they are under attack by the Jim Hadar, and they're still under the spell. That would that yeah. that would actually be interesting. Where they're all they're, yeah. There was no sense of danger in this whole thing, which kind of made it lame too. Yeah, yeah. So uh, oh, before and then it ends. Yeah, no, go ahead. Sorry, before we get to the ratings. Oh yeah, just I just want to where O'Brien. Well, we have the Luxwana and Odo. If you ever get tired of waiting for Kira to you know realize, yeah, if, we're, if we're both not married in ten years. <laughs> <laughs> And then you have Keiko is like, hey, take your resignation back. Look, you, you can't leave your job for me. I get it. But I'm still going back for seven months. And he's like, okay, fine. And she, she's like, you still got the touch, O'Brien. You still have the touch, O'Brien. Yeah, it, it was. You got the power. Yeah, it was like totally like You got the, the touch. That, yeah. The only, the only one that ended with an orgasm was Keiko. Yeah. Uh, like, that was like it's what in the, the way that you use it. <laughs> I mean, we all I just, know. We all. It's well. It's well established that it's well established that O'Brien knows how to please a woman. They don't need to throw it up in our faces yes. every every yes. chance they get. Well, but I mean, we. I think you're supposed to. Yeah. O'Brien's got the Irish curse. But <laughs> give um, <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, no. no, no, you're right though. That it, I would have liked it more if it if they had jumped up into that. Like at the end, like maybe Bashir like gets a way to go, boy, and then they like, jump up to give a high five, freeze frame, and then it plays it in the way that you use it. It plays over that. <laughs> the credits roll. <laughs> that would have made me happy. So before we get to the ratings, I want to read the uh, Memory Alpha page has several. Everybody is on record with this episode. So everybody's got an opinion. But my favorite is Avery Brooks's. Uh, he says, I guess it was over the top. But what is over the top after all? If you're having a pint of Guinness and you see the foam pouring over the top, you think, that's great. But in a television episode, there's this concern about action being too large. It all comes down to rhythm and whatever, whether a scene has it or not. Which is one way I want to talk my way out of this answer, uh, <laughs> out of giving an answer here. But comparing it to the to getting extra beer is, is <laughs> yeah. particularly rich. I always love it when they pour me more, like, <laughs> with the, where my beer is over. Nice deflection, and then he played piano for five minutes. <laughs> Iris Stephen Bear seems to lean heavily on that they pulled out the Keiko O'Brien story, and so that ratifies the rest of the episode. Uh, well, I think we proved that wrong in this in yeah. this episode uh, of the Rules of Acquisition. Yeah. yeah. Who else? What else you got? Yeah. That's a nice hot take, <laughs> but no. Uh, Robert Hewitt Wolf says, I take the blame for the show. What we wanted to do was Midsummer's Night's Dream, but... You know, and I we did give that we did learn that Odo has feelings for Kira, and I think that justifies everybody was yeah. like everybody's really. But I mean, yeah, he told us on Twitter um, that like yeah, I'd cut this one. Yeah, yeah, he did. So Armin Sherman's least favorite episode of all of Deep Space Nine. Wow, Alexander Sadig said uh, said some shitty things about it in an interview. 
but oh wow, it is Terry Farrell's one of her favorite. Episodes. I told you she's like one of the best of everybody's poor acting jobs in this. She she floats above the top. You know what? Because she's fine. I think you're right. And let me tell you, you want to tell you why I think, and I noticed that in the episode that you're right that she's yeah she's game for it right in that like a way that you can tell an actor's game for a scene and you can tell when an actor's not. You know, like the way James Franco looks in every movie he's not directing <laughs> versus how he looks in all those dumbass movies that he does direct. Like, you could tell, like, that she was game for this. And I think, okay, I think Terry Farrell is maybe put on this. Like, if she was on, like, and I'm just, I'm not, I've insulted her enough on this show, podcast. But I'll just say, if she was on a soap opera, she would probably be great on it. She would probably, like, set right in. I think that she likes that relationship sort of comedy of manners and you know that sort of thing yeah yeah and i think that she just she's just the wrong person to talk about tachyon ion particle bombs <laughs> maybe and, like i think that maybe she's just the wrong person in that in that field she's not built for tech though babble she's built for relationships yes and like ooh, tell me right. about that yeah, or, yeah you're yeah. hiding something i know <laughs> it that kind of stuff and that's i'm watching i'm watching every watching twin peaks before the show before the new one comes out and Twin Peaks is like the first, that's one of the things that was like bracing about it. Cause it's been a while since I watched it and it's, everybody's kind of like doing that soap opera shit. Cause it's part of the, you know, pastiche of the show. Yeah. yeah. And that was like, I was like, Oh yeah, there's a lot of like, I love Bobby, but Bobby, loves, you know, and, and that, that I think she would do really well in a show that was a lot of that. Yeah. All right. So uh, you're right. I, she, she's kind of, she's kind of gravitated to that. Okay. Uh, Majel Barrett. Uh, oh yeah, Majel Barrett said she liked it. And, she she had good yeah. moments in here. Like I say, I still think I like her in Deep Space Nine better than TNG because she's she's got some like kind of awareness of Odo of how his feelings, especially at the end and stuff. So. In the un, in an unreleased in the original shooting script that was cut out, Loxana says that she heard about Odo and the founders. From her best friend Admiral Nicheo. Huh. So they're best buddies. Okay. And that was in hmm. that was in the original script that got cut for time. Alright. Yeah, Ando, like what's what's All right. what's the rating on this? Where do you guys want to guess? Where do you guys what ballpark do you guys want to be at? Six point oh. 5.8. I'm going to go... Wait, you going to 5.8? I was going to go okay. under 6. This has 618 votes, so people feel very strongly about it. It's a 6.1. Oh. Yeah, okay, I thought it was... What the fuck? All right, now, now, let me give you some comparison because I my, I make the case that this is the worst one of the series so far. Babel, yeah. which previously I thought was worse than Move Along Home because it's not as watchable, uh, had 778 votes, and it's 6.9. Move Along Home okay. has 779 votes, and it's a 5.9. So Move Along Home, according to IMDb's rating... It's just a just a hair underneath uh, fascination. Mm-hmm. What is the margin of our error on this? Because it could be a statistical yeah. error. <laughs> it's like, don't ask me to do math. <laughs> I I'll say I liked no, no. this more than I liked Meridian. Well, I don't even remember Meridian. Which one is Meridian? What? Was the what was Meridian like again? Two weeks ago, buddy. that was the oh, um, the phase in and out, in and out. Oh God, Bre- yeah, yeah, yeah. The Brett, the uh, Brett. I think I liked Meridian. It's I think I liked Meridian better. Because probably because it was the weird sexual fruit. I don't know, but oh yeah, no. The, uh, they also had, uh, had Jeffrey Combs in it though. Yeah, sure, but it it wasn't like the best Jeffrey Combs character. It wasn't the best Jeffrey Combs character. Oh, you guys, it, you guys need to hear my review of Doctor Mordred because I I own Doctor Mordred. Oh, I, yes. I own a proud owner of Doctor Mordred, but uh, but that's for another time. <laughs> um, okay, well, uh, should we go to the voicemails? Oh yeah, that's good. We'll do that. Yeah. I'd best not think about it too much, if you ask me. Okay, this is voicemails. What do we got today? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the segment that we do. Some We didn't do it last week because, sorry, we were busy. And it was a holiday weekend when we recorded it. Uh, but we're doing it again. We're doing voicemails. The I'm yelling at my phone here. Mailbag for scumbags. Robert Picardo... <laughs> listener hour not no not it won't be an hour i promise uh anyways we have a few voicemails to jump into that we didn't get to last week and some that came in before and we selected the best of the best and y'all how are y'all doing good i'm doing I'm good. I'm ready. I'm stoked for this. Let's get into it. Give us us some phone calls. All right. So, yeah, let's just 
enough preamble. Let's just jump right into it. All right. So first up, we have we'll we'll go last time. If you remember in the voicemail, we really laid down the gauntlet for people to. Um, oh no. <laughs> go Twiggy or go home. <laughs> so yeah, like okay, reach the bar of Twiggy. Hey Twiggy, how's it going? And this is a voicemail from not Derek, but. Eric from Pennsylvania. We got his name wrong the last time. Oh, okay. I thought Eric, Derek's brother from Pennsylvania, was calling him. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'll just <laughs> let the voicemail speak for itself. Hit it. Hello, gentlemen. Uh, this is Eric from uh, Philadelphia again. When you played my last voicemail, you called me Derek. And for a minute, I said, God damn it, they Robert Picardo'd me. But when you actually played the voicemail, it turned out that it did sound like I said, Derek, I, I apparently Robert Picardoed myself or my phone did. I'm not really sure what happened there. But in any case, I am responding to your challenge from this most recent episode to go go big and call in. And I, I hope to be the American Twiggy. That's my dream, to be the American Twiggy. Uh, it really sucks that uh, you put that challenge out. At the episode Meridian, because I think we'd all rather not talk about that one. But Eric, um, yeah, so your voicemail just hung up on yourself, I guess. You just you just tripped over your own feet, man. I'm real sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had a car crash. I bet. <laughs> yeah, egg, egg. He was calling in his car. There's a whole saga there. Right. Uh, okay, <laughs> Eric. Let us know that you're okay. Are you alive? You, hey guys, are you safe? Do we don't call on your phone? Don't talk on your phone when you're driving. It's very dangerous, and it's it's illegal in some states. Definitely don't text us because we don't receive texts on that I number. Just, I don't want to picture him like he's listening to this podcast while he's in one of those spinal crowns in like a hospital and he's crying because if you need uh, if you need let us know where your GoFundMe page is. They'll be paying for some of your costs. We will. We're, we're here for you, Eric. <laughs> right. Uh, I bet he had some nice things to say about Meridian, but uh, I guess. <laughs> All right. What, what, what else you got, Wade? <laughs> Try calling back. <laughs> the, Derek, the Derek <laughs> Memorial. I was going to say, we got another, We did get an email from Twiggy, but it's just uh, he sent a meme picture with Drew Carey and talking about Latinum that, hey, I'll post it on the, yeah. the Twitter. So that was Eric. Next, we have another voicemail coming up. And this is from Robert. Nope, not Robert Picardo. But uh, <laughs> it's taunting me, guys. Right. If there is a Robert Picardo out there, that he's my patron saint, and I'm gonna <laughs> right that listens to the podcast. It happens to have all right. Yeah, but okay. So I'll go ahead. And, we got a voicemail. I'll let it speak for itself. Hey guys, it's Robert calling this time rather than saying an email. First of all, I just wanted to mention that I'm a big fan of the podcast. Obviously taking the time to contact you. And one thing that I wanted to note that I really like that uh, nobody's mentioned yet that I've heard is uh, I appreciate how well-read you guys are. You seem to be really good at picking up allusions to other texts and uh, relating plot lines and things to other media. And it's uh, it's just always interesting to see the connections you make. As for uh, the comment I was going to leave, this is for, in reference to Meridian, which I rewatched just to leave an accurate review because I remember it as being horrible. I was really planning on calling it hot garbage, but I think it's actually so boring, it's merely garbage. <laughs> um, but to just leave you with a question, it's not, is Meridian hot garbage or garbage? It's, do you think the writers at this point think women really like boring men? Because Dax and Kara so far really seem to have been paired with uninteresting people. And I know that changes in, in the future in the series, but a uh, man, just between Beryl and this guy, it's just been a sad Bad, boring sacks and nothing. All right, keep on doing what you're doing. I really appreciate it, and I look forward to listening to more episodes. Bye. All right. Oh man, Robert, I yeah. that's a really I didn't even think about that. Like it is a larger picture of how just completely bland the love interests are for the women are on this show. I mean, I guess they all make Odo look like the hot stuff by comparison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it is a consistent. This is the problem. I mean, I know that Hillary Botter wrote the Meridian, but this is the problem of sort of cunts gets my point. But of having an all male writers room, yeah. writing room. Yeah. And having just a like not a lot of female voices. And even I think that not only putting like a token on, but having a culture where women can safely be in the writer's room without having to be the woman in the writer's room where you get these. It helps the men write better because they're 
faced with watching how women you just it it makes you better it makes you better at writing women to be around a lot of strong creative women fashioning the men that they would like to see fashioning the stories that they like to see yeah i mean that's yeah that's definitely sort of a this was that period and there's a lot of this in in sort of film or in television where men are trying to write smart possessed women but they end up like they know they don't because they're 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 good girls they don't want them to date assholes so they end up dating good guys but they don't know how to write the good so it's just very bland where when you give women the chance to write interesting roles the men are 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 fully dimensional characters too (laughs) right you know i'm thinking about like i've started watching girls and the men i mean their men are assholes but the women that are obviously your hero, like the people that you want to succeed, are obviously, you know, that they these are flawed men that the flawed women are interested in. Therefore, an interesting <laughs> premise for a show. So, I mean, y- there's a lot. Yeah, I think that when you don't have women in the writer's room, you end up being much blander because you don't know how to, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's just a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially science fiction nerds writing you know, yeah yeah it was I a mean, very astute observation on robert's part yeah yeah, so. <laughs> yeah yeah and it turns out you were right we can be uh we're pompous in a lot of different fields <laughs> right I'm, I'm really upset that we've only gotten one real strong david foster wallace reference in the, the whole time we, we've been we, doing the podcast we need, to, we need to work on our bringing our david foster wallace up uh <laughs> like yeah and and just our general uh, uh sort of Literary nerdiness. Yeah, we should we should really start repulsing people with all our ri- literary references that they don't rich get. Lit- uh, ri- yeah, rich, pompous literary references. Yeah, because we're real pretentious guys. I, yeah, we're gonna do <laughs> a, we're gonna call- do a special podcast just on Jonathan Franzen works. I think. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> do we have to? No, no, we do. We do not have to at all. Oh, thank God. Uh, <laughs> Jonathan Frakes, maybe. Jonathan Frakes. It's a comparative <laughs> literature, the body of work of Jonathan Frakes, the work of Jonathan Franzen. No, actually, I don't want to do a Frakes centered. Hey, unless he's listening, <laughs> give us a call. Hey, Frakes, come on here. Mr. Yeah. Frakes at 917 408 3898. Just three Franksophiles. But I'm bunch. Okay, what else you got for us? We got. One more quick email from Franklin again, instead of because he, he the, the subject of the email was just, I hate you guys, which is what we asked for. Mm. Well, that sounds fun. Oh, it's not as fun as you think, <laughs> but I'll read it anyway. <laughs> Sorry, Franklin, I'm being a dick here. <laughs> don't get into my self-punishment. <laughs> He's like, no. Well, it's like, no, actually, no. Yeah, no, I love you guys, but I figured that would get your attention. That's what he says in the email. Uh, it's more Daba girl stuff. They definitely have a stigma, but. Can't be a conventional sex worker. They were prostitutes. There's no way Cisco would have let Jake day one. Uh, th- his theory, my theory is you go to Quark's, play some games, and you go to the Hollow Suite with the holographic girl of your choice that Quark scanned. Even from a monetary standpoint, it's better. The games are advertising, the girls stay on the table, and you get fuck money. Or F money. And you get F money is how he wrote it. Yeah. That's his idea. And it's like, yeah, that, that's it. That squares with squares with me. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's fine. I, I mean, I, I, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I was so lackluster in your, in the reading of your email. I imagine that there is a certain type of gambling space outsider who probably doesn't like the holiday, hollow suites uh. and probably likes live the you real the real i want the girlfriend experience i want the full girlfriend experience I want the real thing or yeah and i'm thinking particularly like you know the the more dangerous kinds of john jesus james uh, <laughs> you know, like whoa whoa we I, just went dark i'm just saying i'm just i'm saying that there is a there is a seedy part to quarks i've been saying this from the first episode yeah that, that they're not touching on, and that's fine. They're making that decision, but Quark is running the gym saloon, and <laughs> that's just there. He's doing it. They just whitewash it. It's kind of like in Gunsmoke, where clearly this kid he's a prostitute. We all know that, but 1960s television, you know, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> all right. Uh, any more email? All right. No, that's all. You know what? I'm 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 calling it there. 
I'm sorry that I, I I didn't mean to be so like blase about your email, frankly. I actually yeah. really appreciate it. And I don't it. mean to be flippant about like bad Johns. That's a awful thing. No, no, no. I'm just I'm saying d- that that's an element. To, like, yeah. I just don't want to be the cod pod, the, 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 the cod past the podcast that it just talks about the hookers in Star Trek. I but I think that I, I think I mean Franklin. I think the thing with Franklin's emails is that he succinctly sums up probably the, the probable Quark's experience. I think he's probably right. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah other I think than that, other than the missing dangerous John element that, that well, James you know, and, likes and Quark, well, no, 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 I don't like. I just say that like maybe Quark is the kind of guy that's like we don't do that kind of stuff around here. There's other places. There's other space stations. I'm just defense. saying. Uh, I don't think if, Quark if, if, tells anybody know if the price is right. <laughs> if Discovery does wait, wait, well, wait. Okay, maybe we'll so, get some so premium Garrett, cable Star Trek where they go and Showtime, and they they want to take it dark, and it's all about the the underside. Yeah, like oh, you're telling me if Garrett Dillahunt from the second season of Deadwood came into Quark's bar, Quark would bend over backwards for it. I would say that if the price is right enough and the risk reward with bringing the heat down from Odo was, was, I think there's, yeah, I think that if, I think he weighs everything. I don't think, I yeah, think well, so. yeah. I, I also, well, I'm going to go, I don't think, he, but I don't think his morality is going to stop him. I think I what's going to stop though, him is Odo is going to stop him or I think Ferengi's, um, well, it would, he would have to find a willing Daba girl to do it because Ferengi's had never had slavery and they never did force subjugation. They're better than people. According to Quark. Well, okay, but for a price. <laughs> yeah, that's what I say. He'd find somebody willing to do it for a price and then he'd bargain them down and steal their virtue, I guess. I'm uncomfortable now. <laughs> well, I mean, well, Garrett Dillahunt just wasn't having sex with the hookers. He was trying to, like, yeah, but like, yeah. I get it, yes. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To find, I don't think Quark would be, Quark wouldn't be party to any snuff kind of stuff. I think he's, for all his, like, again, I, I feel uncomfortable now but quirk has a good enough heart that he wouldn't do that full deadwood territory yeah quirk would not go full like snuff film with a real life person because he's i don't think he has some okay now here real quick franklin bear with me okay (laughs) here's the thing if a gamma quadrant first contact alien came through the wormhole and their female species was aesthetically attractive to most humanoid species and they had to die in some sort of ritualized sexual contact. You don't think that Quark would find a way to make a money off of that if it was consensual, and like they had to go out. Like <laughs> this is, we just went into weird territory with right. like where no, we could no, go no, with Star Trek stories. This is yeah. This is the this is the forefront of the morality that 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 sci-fi could say. Right. Okay. Like we can. <laughs> Listen to this before we air it and like like see if we go too far, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go too far. So you're saying, Hugh, that there's a race of women that are attractive that need, because of whatever social or or species element, need to okay. die. The wormhole aliens told them that they had to do it on their they, end. They we need just to stepped die into a gore novel, gentlemen. We're yes. in gore territory. <laughs> no, but you're saying specifically need to die in a sexualized ritual. Yes. And that gore and that gore that Quark knows about this and that he would work as an agent for these women yes. to hook them up yes. with, with Dangerous with, Johns. With Dangerous Johns from the Alpha Quadrant. I totally think he would do that. Yes, but, 100%. I don't think it's consensual. It's it's perfectly acceptable within certain cultures. <laughs> right. And he's just being an agent. He's not being a facilitator. I mean, he's being a facilitator, but he's not being like a... Well, I don't like think a, that he could put up neon signs on the promenade advertising <laughs> it. I think Cisco... I think Cisco would have yeah. absolute oh. problems with it. Yeah, oh, of they, course. It would, yeah. <laughs> right. Okay, when Quark finds the, sh- the sister shadow planet on the other end of Earth's orbit... <laughs> That would be gore. I've never read a gore book. I've, I've listened to podcasts talking well, about gore. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. But I, I think that it, you're yeah, right. Like, hey, let's move on to the okay, next. Okay, Franklin, what do you think, though? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Oh, no. Oh, shit. That's a season eight episode, by the way. For, for yeah, yeah. Oh, oh I think. Dangerous Johns. Absolutely. Dangerous Johns. Dangerous Johns. Oh, yeah. Well, Dangerous Space Because, you know, if they if they get picked up for a season eight, it's going to be on premium cable, right? Yeah, yeah so. of course. It's going to be written by the Outlander writers. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. All right. 
three to beam out. You humans, you never learn. You let your women go out in public, hold jobs, wear clothing, and you wonder why your marriages fall apart. Treat women like property. Criticize it all you want. But on the Ferengi homeworld, husbands and wives never argue. There's no divorce, no broken homes, nothing but peaceful conjugal bliss. Do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line, where you can express your DS9 wishes and DS9 dreams into their ear holes? They will play them on air and try to be nice to you, because one day they hope to sell you blue apron snacks and underwear made out of modal. The number is 917-408-3898 that number again is 917-408-3898. You will probably want to talk about how hot Dax and Bashir are, that is great. These pretentious asses also love it when people say they are wrong. So feel free to do that. James will probably go off on a knowingly obtuse rant about construction issues or political sophistication we know you love that. Again 917-408-3898. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes.